We've got microphones on each side of the room to ask for the questions so people watching on the internet at home can hear Are the Are you going to introduce our distinguished guest that's to my left right here? I'm, I'm going to defer to you to introduce you. Why don't you go ahead and tell the history of him, what's going on. Okay. Well, we are very pleased to have back for the first time on uh, campus since last October 4th, the voice of the Buffs, Larry Zimmer. sure Larry's thrilled to be here today. He'll probably yeah. been doing an interview or two. <coughs> Larry and I are back on July 2nd that this is going to be his 42nd last season, calling CU games. It's his 50th season doing college football overall. And, you know, they've got adding in our football games, basketball games. He's done well over 1,200 of our games now. So welcome back, Larry. Thank you. It's great to be here. Coach, take it away. All right. Yeah, it, it's awesome to see Larry and Bridget. Um, and uh, it's a lot better seeing you sitting right there than when I saw you a ton in the hospital right. and uh, just uh, the prayers were answered and I'm glad you're here really glad you're here I, um, we've had a uh, good opening uh, three days we have our fourth practice today um, and uh, we've stayed healthy which is good um, since we started uh, so we're excited about that um, it's been a lot of energy um, a lot of excitement and the players been running around flying around well and so we've got uh, you know, as a coach, um, the players count the 29 practices. As a coach, you go, you wish you had 50 more. Uh, that's just the way coaching is. Um, but uh, we're improving, um, and I've been excited about what I've seen on the field so far. We put on shoulder pads yesterday. We have pads on again today. Um, and then we'll have full pads Monday. Um, so we've kind of gone from pajamas to shells to full pads is kind of what I call it. And uh, they've been flying around doing well. It's been enjoyable. It's been good watching the um, offense improve from where they were last year at this point, uh, which I thought they did well last year. We've got to keep improving there. Um, feel good about our line, feel good about all our skilled guys, and quarterbacks have been looking good. Defensively, it's, it's been good having a lot of defensive linemen um, to be able to rotate in with good size and athleticism, so that's been good. Linebackers are running around, and um, our secondary, you can tell since we had to play so many guys in the secondary last year, you can just tell the difference where they were this time the year before with the backups and everybody else. They've played enough. They feel the sense of urgency. They understand. They have a better feeling. They communicate better, um, and, and that's been exciting to watch. Our, um, so far, our first few days, our, our kickers and our punters have been doing really well, and uh, we'll see what happens when a um, little bit more rush is coming at them, but they've really been punting it well and kicking it well, so that's been exciting. So. We just uh, got a lot of work to do yet left, and I'll take any questions at this time. Not all at once. One of the things that you said yes, sir. at the end of last season was you needed to get more powerful, yes, sir. to get bigger, and you promised <clears throat> that this year you'd look more like a Pac-12 football team. You'd yeah. Look like yeah, we do. I where, think. Where are you? I think the guys that have been out at practice um, <coughs> see a little bit of our size and strength and speed. Uh, you know, our in the weight room, Dave Foreman and the guys did a phenomenal job. Um, we keep a chart listing, which you'll see up in our new weight room, um, of guys. We have a point total, okay? And our, if you're an ultimate warrior, we call it, you get above 25 and above. Um, if you're close to that. If you're above 20, you're strong. And, uh, you know, we've got 40-some-odd guys on our team, 25 and above, where last year going into the season we had about eight. So that shows you the strength gains we've made just in that area. Um, I'll use Kenneth Ogilvie, for example. He played at 204 to 206 last year, varied. He now weighs 220. 
Um, you know, he's bench pressing 40 more pounds than he was. He's squatting 100 more pounds. You know, this, this example, Stefan Nimbot um, played at, at 302, 301 last year. He's 323 and hadn't lost any of it in the first few practices. It's all muscle. His power has um, gone out the roof. Uh, you know, I can um, – Shea Fields, okay, he weighed 162 pounds last year. He's 176, 178. Um, he's bench pressing more. He's squatting more. Um, you know, those are just three examples of guys who played a lot last year who played well in the Pac-12 that are just now bigger, stronger, they'll play better. Um, uh, Nelson Spruce has put on eight pounds of muscle. I mean, when he was ripped last year, you ought to see him now. He takes his shirt off. I mean, he's a, he's a man. So the whole team's done that, which is exciting to see. Our backup linemen have done that. Um, and I've been excited about, um, uh, how, you know, bigger and stronger the other guys have gotten also. So um, it's good. So, Coach, uh, a lot of emphasis, a lot of attention was paid to defense in the offseason. You've hired a couple new coaches there. Obviously, you need to get better there, but your offense last year made significant improvement. What is the next step now in your mind for the offense? Well, we made significant improvement. Our biggest key on offense that we want to be able to do is to rank, move up our scoring percentage. I think we averaged 28.5, which I think was um, it was good, but we need to be in the we need to be up in the 30s. Um, we need to score a couple more touchdowns and kick field goals in those areas. Uh, the other thing that we would like to do, um, with our defense improving, we should be able to run the ball a little bit more, not feel like that we have as much pressure to always have to throw it, to, to have to get first downs. And I feel like our running, our running game really improved from our first year to last year. And if we can make a similar type jump um, in our running game, um, then I feel like that uh, our offense will go from 37th to the top 25 offenses in the country, and we'll be able to run the ball in, in the red zone a little more. You know, and all we're talking about is like three times, and it drastically changes all of that. So um, that's something that we're working on hard, so that's something we'd like to be able to do. And I, and I feel like that we're stronger and more physical up front. Our, you know, another guy that's gotten bigger and better, the two Irwin brothers. You know, um, Jeremy was played about 282 last year. You know, he's in the 290s, and uh, Sean Irwin, um, I mean, I think he's really an excellent all-around tight end, and his blocking and his power makes a big difference on the edge for the back to get to the edge. So uh, I, I think that will help us there. You brought in a new defensive coordinator, of course, Coach Levitt. Yes, sir. Uh, and you, uh, you know, alluded to the defense. What type of improvements are you hoping for based on his experience, his background? And everything else uh, that you've seen in the defense so far, what are you looking for there? We're, Real quick reminder, uh, raise your hand to ask a question because we need to get the questions on the Internet. So you don't need to re-ask this one, but next question, just raise your hand. Right. Uh, well, what we plan on having happen and not hoping is the other team scores less points. I mean, as basic as that. Um, you know, in, in the Pac-12 and in today's football, people move the ball a little bit. Um, and so we need to be able to be more stout um, making them kick more field goals and being able to be a, a better football team. You know, when teams got in the red zone, except like maybe one game, it was almost automatically scored. We have got to be more stout in the red zone. Um, and with our line a little bit bigger and stronger, um, I feel like our linebackers understanding where they're going better, um, that, that will give us an opportunity to 
you know, instead of it, the guy falling forward on third down and three and getting the first down, it's fourth down and one, and now they got to kick a field goal. And we have to do that, um, and we need to be uh, – we've got to get more pressure on the quarterback, but with a lot of the teams we play, the ball comes out of their hands so quick, we've got to be able to make sure we're at the right angles in the open field too. So uh, I, I see that happening. I, I see us better. I see us closing on the ball better, um, and it, that's exciting to see out there. Um, we got to do it when the games start, but basically our scoring defense needs to improve. Coach, with a uh, with a 13-game schedule, yes, sir. by week, can you afford to pace yourself this early and you know look ahead at, at you know the, the grind that's going to be come October, November, or can you not afford to do that and just you know go go like you've been going in order to have a good start? No, you you have to. There's there's parts of camp you got to prepare your team. If you don't prepare your team, you're never going to catch up, okay? Um, so uh, we, we'll have to prepare our football team. But I did change our schedule, our weekly schedule this year because of a 13-game week. Um, we're, instead of having um, Sundays off this year, we're going to have Mondays off. And so we'll come in. The kids will still get up and go to church and sleep in in the morning a little bit. And then we'll come in and have like an evening-type practice. But then they'll have Monday off. And our kids practice in the morning so they don't have any classes in the morning so every Monday they can sleep in and that will give them some more time to recover and relax and get ready for the for the week um, so I've changed our schedule to help with that coach, very good question though coach with this year's group who have you come to really lean on from a leadership standpoint do you have a plan in terms of naming captains uh, very good question we um I do I we um I did a whole best way to explain it I did an education system to the young men, to what to look for in captains, what to look for in leaders, and then how to be a leader. We have a leadership um, meetings that we have um, within our um, um, athletic department that I send guys to. We have them within our team that we do. Um, and uh, also I've been um, Chris Bader, our sports psychologist. I've been getting a lot of information from him and, uh, and uh, talked to some great leaders too. And, and then also guys that I have been around. And so we went a little bit different process this year. Um, I felt like our team was more mature. I still feel like the bulk of our team is juniors and sophomores. Um, so, and we have a small senior class. So I've incorporated the senior class with some other guys. So what we decided to do off of all our voting, all our talking, everything that we've done, the team elected a leadership council. And so we have 12 guys on our leadership council that are seniors and juniors. And even, we even have a sophomore in there. And what I'm going to do is I'm meeting with those guys um, multiple times during camp and then um, definitely once or twice a week um, during the season. And then I'll rotate four of those guys each game to be a team captain. And I feel like that way we have more guys out there leading, more guys that have voices, and we're developing a, a, a more of a cohesive group. And then I haven't decided yet if at the end of the year I would let the team elect the four captains type thing or just keep the leadership council. But we're going to have a leadership council throughout the whole time and then maybe the bowl week we might elect the four captains for the, for the game. Um, so that's our plan. And the guys are excited about it. The team's excited about it. And uh, that gives more young men kind of a, a platform and realizing all those guys on the team believe in them. Like your haircut, looks good. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, now you can get my haircut. Yeah. Uh, but uh, 
now in year three, does a successful season have to result in more wins, or can you guys have a successful season and it not reflect the win? No, you got to win games. Um, but we definitely improved. Um, there's no doubt. Um, and, uh, and we'll improve this year. We were in a lot of those close games, and we'll be in a lot of close games again, and we'll come out on top on a lot more of those close games. And then we'll see how our team keeps developed from there. But, I, you know, I expect us to, to be good. I really do. I expect us to be good. I, I, I see it out on the field. I see it in their eyes. I see it in their work ethic. I see it in the strength. I see that we have more depth, um, that we can rotate guys in there some. So I, I feel good about that. I see more people on special teams with more speed and athleticism. Um, that have done it, and then I see guys that we red-shirted that are able to come in and help. So I, I feel good about the football team, but you, you always got to win games, and I, I definitely think we're at that point to be able to, to do that. Coach, you took uh, over a similar situation at San Jose State. Do you see some parallels here between your Buffs team and the Spartan team that you had going into your third season? I see, I see definitely I see a few parallels. I see leadership roles that the young, the young men understand our culture and have bought into it completely. I see a lot more vocal guys um, holding guys accountable. I mean, from guys saying, Coach, I need to talk to the team when I walk in for team meetings, and they stand up and say, hey, don't leave your towels on the floor and make sure you put your plates up after you eat. That's, that's winning football. That's, being, that's caring about other people. Nobody's ever done that before, and I never told them to do it. I see that. I see things happen in the huddle. I see things. I see a guy come in for a meeting and he's not wearing the right thing, and they've sent him out and make him come back. The players doing it. When the <coughs> players are taking control, now everything's going like it should be, and uh, that's part of winning. That's part of being successful. That's part of uh, caring about all the details. So I see that similarity. Um, you know, it, it's all relative on programs. You know, um, but I, I do see some similarities and. Um, I've seen some guys step up and start managing the room where I don't have to do those things anymore. And when they're doing it, that shows you the culture change. You yes, had uh, said in the off season, you and Brian Lindgren were doing a lot of film study on other defenses to see what the defenses were doing against your offense. Can you share some of the things you might have come up with? It's top secret. <laughs> um, yes, we have done that. Um, we did that the year before. Um, and what you try to do is you try to, um, as the season goes along and you're watching other teams that do similar stuff to you offensively, you get their tapes and you kind of watch the season and you even watch their bowl games and say, okay, what are they doing to stop these certain type of concepts? So we looked at some bowl games of some teams that do some similar stuff that we do and said, oh, that defense changed. That's why they did that. That's why they did So we're expecting people to study those type of things and come up with a couple wrinkles. So we want to be ahead. If they do this, then this is our answer. Or we need to have this wrinkle off of this that takes advantage of that. So that's what we did. And Brian and our whole staff is really good at understanding that. And you've got to project ahead. And uh, they do a good job of that. Coach, your first two years, we didn't really hear you say the word bowl game uh, this much. What has changed that you know has you talking about that this year? Well, I, I think that our kids, they're saying it to me. <laughs> um, that's not something I preach to them. That's something they say to me. Um, and I hear them say to each other. And when they talk and uh, when they stand up in front of the – Coach, i got something to say. And I, and I hear them talking in between <coughs> each other or they come to me and say, Hey, Coach, what do we – you know, 
what's our schedule for Christmas? You know, for you know, for a bowl. They haven't asked me that before. You know, parents are calling me, so they feel that. Now we got to go do it, but until they see it in their mind's eye, I can't make them see. It. I can mention it, but I can't make them see it. They have to do it. So I see more and more of that happening. Um, and a lot of times they don't even hear me hear them talking about it or see it, or it's just kind of a passing deal. Um, so um, that's what they uh, see. And so I can talk about it with this team because they believe it. Um, it's not something I'm throwing out there going, ah, no, they believe that. Quick follow-up would be, uh, whose idea was it to put the flag with the Pac-12 bowl affiliation? Um, it was mine after I heard the guys talking because I don't know if they knew all the bowl affiliates we had. So I want them to know it and, and see it. If they're going to talk about it, they need to have a vision to see what they are. So we put the bowl flag out there. Um, and uh, we, we even added a new one this year, the Cactus Bowl. So um, there's some new ones in there. But, of course, the Rose Bowl is what everybody wants to be in. It's what we're all shooting for and we want to be at. Coach, you talked about how – oh, hey. <laughs> how pleased you've been with – Seeing the senior guys talk more confidently about themselves and how they view themselves, could you just elaborate on uh, what you've seen in that area? Well, I, I think that they just keep pushing for confidence, and that comes within this building because you know we won two games last year. You know, you go outside this building, it's not always positive, and but when they get here and when they're amongst themselves, I can see it, and they're not letting the outside affect them. Um, and that's hard to do as an 18 to 22 year old. It's hard to do as a 50 year old. Um, and so you need to always make sure you're looking at the picture ahead and, and you know, kind of like the horse that has the blinders on. You've got to have blinders on if you want to be successful. And I, I see these young men understanding that it's what they do, how they work, how they care, the things that they do, they can control their destiny. Um, and so that's what they're seeing. And I, I see them talking that way. I see them carrying themselves that way. I see them, you know, teasing with each other too. And... Uh, about different things, and so I see a confidence. Usually, uh, I guess the best way to put it, you know, if you're teasing a guy, you know he's got confidence he can handle it, right? If you're not teasing him or you're not ribbing him a little bit, then you don't think he really has confidence. So I, I see a lot more of that going on, um, getting on each other when they screw up something and they're messing with each other, and, um, or when one guy toasts the other guy or makes him look bad. They, you know, they, they make fun. They get, they're, they're excited about it, but they keep working. So that type of attitude is there. Coach, yes. Uh, for the casual fans who, who don't really know every player, can you explain to them Spruce? Uh, what, what Spruce. Can yeah. Okay. Uh, can you explain uh, what makes him effective, what makes him a weapon, and how he can help you guys win games? Well, number one, he's an extremely competitive person in every phase of his life. You know, he's – Excellent. He's a 3.4. 3575. 3, almost 3, 4. I'll, I'll round it up. Um, and, you know, he does everything. He keeps his, doesn't put anything in his body he's not supposed to. He takes care of it. He works at it. He's a leader with the guys. He gets along with the guys. He's a team guy. And he competes on the practice field. The thing that makes him special as a receiver is he's, he's a big receiver. Um, and, but he is. From point A to point B, he can separate. So if you're on him, he can separate, and he can catch everything out away from a receiver, I mean from a DB, and put it away. And he's a, an exceptional route runner. He studies our own guys. He studies his opponent. 
he'll run against the opponent and he'll come back over and say, hey, I can beat him on this because this guy's leaning this way and his eyes go here when I do this. All right, we got it. And um, he's extremely smart, so we can move him all around the places. Um, and the other thing, I think one of the best things you'd ever like anybody to say about you as a person, he can be counted on. He's dependable. And uh, he's a dependable guy. Last couple of years, uh, injuries have really decimated this yes. because the depth has been an issue. Do you feel like overall and in key areas in particular, the depth is better when you guys can absorb injuries when they happen? Right. Well, the depth is better because of the injuries because <laughs> we had, had to play. Uh, but being stronger and more powerful is going to help you not have as many injuries. Now, there's freak injuries that happen, um, and uh, uh, we had one before camp started. So um, that's things that you can't control. But being more powerful and stronger, so for example, if you're more powerful and stronger, I'll just use it as a lineman, and you're able to be stout. So when you get pushed and thrown, you don't get thrown into somebody else's knee. You're, you're, ste- you're stout. You're steady. You don't get thrown into somebody else. Um, you don't get thrown into the back of the quarterback. Things like that don't happen as often. Um, if you're a receiver or a DB and you're stronger in your shoulders, you don't hurt your shoulders as much. So... I think percentage-wise, that will knock down our injuries. Um, also, when you hit somebody or you get hit and you're 10 pounds bigger and you're, uh, you're stronger, more powerful in your legs, a lot of times that keeps away from concussions. I'm not being a doctor there, but I just know that if you're more powerful, you don't absorb it as much. Um, now, you're going to still get concussions because if you get hit in a certain way, that happens. Um, but uh, I think the overall power and strength um, – you know, what I like to do sometimes, it sounds crazy, I like to walk up beside the guy and just kind of hit him in the leg. And when I hit him in the leg and my hand hurts, I go, wow. And I kind of notice that with these guys more and more. They're just stronger. And that's, that, that's kind of an example. So if we see a lot of leg injuries this year, it might be your fault. Yeah, exactly right. <laughs> exactly right. I'm not that strong, though. Or sprained wrist. Right. Uh, Coach, so last year uh, there were four games, four losses, by five points or less. How does a football team just improve on playing full 60 minutes in a strong fashion? A very good question. Um, number one, what our players saw, it literally came down in that end of a game situation to really one or two plays. And you always hear that, but it really came down to one or two plays. Either um, we knock a ball down or we make a correct block, um, we you know, make a field goal, don't make one. It just came down to those type of situations. So our whole theme of everything is in those heat of situations, relax. You know what to do. You've been there. And just trust each other. Just trust each other. Trust the right guard that he's going to do his job. Center, don't overcompensate. Do what you're supposed to. Communicate. Um, quarterback, trust what the receiver is going to do. Secondary, trust that the D-line is going to get there. You know, just relax and play ball. Um, and so that's our whole theme is trusting each other in those situations. And it's easy to say that, but now that they've done it and been in that situation and they know, um, they'll be a little more relaxed. Now, they're still going to be intense, but they, they're just, you know, kind of the old, they'll be able to take a deep breath instead of being, you know, and I'll even talk to them about that. And I think, I don't think, I know those situations will come out on top. And sometimes the ball just bounces your way, too. And we'll have a couple of those happen for us, too. Two-part question. Uh, Sefo 
uh, is a little bit bigger. Yes, sir. Uh, what have you seen from him in the first four days of practice as far as his development? And secondly, he says, and so have you, that the running game has to be a little more powerful. Uh, you've got some experience at running back. How are they doing, and how is the junior college transfer fitting in? Okay. Uh, the uh, CFO is 240. He's in better shape than he's ever been, just like he improved the year before. I see the same type of improvement. He's running better, too. He just keeps getting in better shape. He keeps working his body. He's six four and a quarter, two forty. He's a big man, um, and he's he's doing a great job as a leader. He's um, just working. He's in, he's doing really well. Um, uh, running game wise, we've we're improving. We're doing well there. Um, Aaron Baltazar is he did not make it academically, um, so he will not be here. Um, so um, we've. We've been working on that for a while, hoping that wouldn't happen. And there was really a lot of situations, it sounds crazy, out of his control. Um, and that's as far as I'll go into it. Um, but uh, he, uh, his, um, uh, so that's the situation there. We feel good about our running backs we have. And, um, you know, um, a couple of our freshmen have looked pretty good too early on. And so we'll see what they look like when we put on the real pads and get out of the pajamas and the shells and get into real pads. Um, and... Uh, and go from there. But I, I feel good about our running backs. You know, last year, you know, everybody asked me, would you want to play four? No, I'd really like to play two and let the other guys do special team stuff. But the problem is third or fourth game, a guy gets hit a bunch, something usually tweaks. It's just the way it is. You see it in the NFL too. So you usually end up playing, you'd like to play three guys. Um, but you, you want to get a hot guy and you can stay hot with him. You know, Michael got hot for a couple games and then he hurts his knee in the one game and he was rolling and then so and then Christian Powell got um, had the concussion so he was out a few games so um, you got to have enough guys ready at that spot um, but the good thing they're all stronger they're I mean all those guys have done the same I mean Philip Lindsay played which is amazing the Tasmanian Devil he played at 172 last year and he's 182 and he's squatting and bigger and stronger and he runs hard anyway um, so all those guys have done that too so hopefully they keep him from injury also. Seppo's uh, turnover problems late in games last uh -huh. year. He had, he had a great season last year. Right. Like one records, but obviously there was some good and some bad. Yeah. What was the process like between you, Seppo, and maybe Brian as far as this offseason? Looking at those turnovers, how do you correct them? Were they more physical than mental? Just, just talk about what you've done since last year and kind of correct that. Right. Well, like I've said before, in some of those ending of the games – we felt like, well, everybody did. I think we better go score. We better move the ball, right? Um, so we had to put a little more pressure on him. And in those situations, different things happen. Um, and uh, um, so uh, defensively, as we get better and our running game gets a little bit better, you know, that would cut down about probably 20% on how much we would throw in those situations. That's what we're, that's what we're banking on. So that cuts down on it right there. And then – he, um, looking at some of the stuff, he's learned from it, um, and, uh, and, and he'll keep working and going from there. But I, I see great improvement in it. You know, the, the thing about a quarterback that he needs to understand, he's going to throw a couple picks. You can't start worrying about it and not making throws because then you'll, throw, you'll have more mistakes. You still have to just keep playing. It's kind of like the, the great three-point shooter. He might miss a few, but you want him to keep shooting them, right? He's going to end up – Happen draining them after a while. So I feel good about where Cepho's improvement is. I feel good about what we're understanding and knowing. And 
Um, and, you know, um, not all of those were always his fault. That's part of it, too. But the quarterback always takes the blame. So I, I feel good about where he's going and uh, his knowledge and his experience and um, ability to make plays. Back at a uh, very offensive lead, your, your offense represented itself pretty well in the last season. Uh, it would seem as you want to get better there, if this team is going to continue to rise, you got to be better on the defensive side of the ball. Well, why do you believe in 2015 your defense is improved over here? Well, like I've said before, we've had a lot of guys play a lot, but those guys also have changed their bodies as they've gone through this. And uh, you would have liked to have redshirted someone when they were younger. Um, but now they've played, um, and so they're juniors and sophomores, and they're, they're ready to roll. Um, and uh, so I feel very good about the depth. I feel very good about their execution. Um, the other thing you have to you – know, when you're – there's a process, especially for um, college kids – is when you're a freshman, you kind of want to make the travel team, right? And you kind of want to be on the team. Yeah, if you want to start, but you want to travel and you want to play. You play a little bit, so you get to do that. Then as a sophomore or a redshirt freshman, you're kind of thinking, I'd like to start. And then when you kind of get to start, you're kind of just, you want to win, but you're just, man, I'm starting, I'm playing, okay? When you've played a while, you kind of get to that, it kind of all of a sudden clicks as, man, I'm tired of just playing. I want to kick that guy's butt in front of me. I want to win this game. I, I need to be. I need to study film more. I need to focus more. I need because when you're young and you get to play early, sometimes you're thinking, "Oh, this ain't that hard." But the difference in playing and winning is a small line, but it's a very defined moment of study, focus, effort, intensity, all of that rolled up into one, and that really just happens through a maturation process. I wish I could wave a matching wand and fix it, but I have. I see that in our team. I hear it. I see it. I notice it. Our practice habits by some of those guys have grown so much, and they've seen it themselves. Um, and you can tell um, the maturation process in that. So that's where I see that. Coach, uh, the student athlete has signed with your program, signed a letter of intent. You can't go anywhere else at that point. And he or she, you know, finds themselves in uh, some sort of dire straits that really aren't of their, you know, uh, they can't be controlled by that person or their family. Should the school be able to help them before they get on campus? Well, <laughs> by NCAA rules, we can't do anything um, in that situation. Um, that's something that I think we should bring up to the NCAA and we should look into um, to be able to help young men be able to get there to go to college. It's a fine line. It's a tough situation because some people would use it in an illegal recruiting advantage, and then some people would use it the exact way it should be used. So there's a little bit of gray area there. But, um, um, yeah, I think there's something that should be done about that. I don't know exactly how about going and doing it except bringing it up and seeing if there's ways to, uh, to fix that. Coach, yes, sir. You've got, uh, I think, 57 total starts across the front of your offensive line this year. Can mm -hmm. you talk about what the experience uh, means there as compared to last year when you were keeping some different people in and what that means? Well, that yeah, I think the experience is really excellent. You know, um, all five of your spots are extremely important, but your tackle and your center, um, the center has the ball in his hands every snap. He's got to make all the calls. 
the experience factor there, um, all the different fronts he does is huge, and Alex Kelly's a good one. Um, and he's powerful and he's strong and he's smart. Our two tackles have played for a while now, and they're good. Um, and especially against the, the, you know, the defensive ends we play against in this league. You know, there'll be some great defensive ends show up in this league this year. But going into last year, you knew there was about five of them that were going to get drafted in the first or second round. Um, there'll be some guys pop up that'll be the same way this year, but not going in, do you know that? So I, I so those, and then our um, two guards um, played some last year, and then Shane Callahan came in, and we moved him from tackle to guard. Um, so I feel good about the size and the power in those areas. We lost two guards, good guards from last year, but I feel like the guys stepping in have they're not having to play as young puppies. They've been sitting, they've been grooming. Um, they're big, they're strong. Um, and, you know, they're over 300 pounds or over six foot four, and they're tough guys, and, you know, they're older. So I feel good about that. And then we have some, some backup guys back there um, behind them that I feel that can step in and, and do some things. But I, f- I feel very good about, you know, our first seven, eight guys right now. Coach, can you talk about the two new additions to your staff with uh, Coach uh, Jim Lovett and Joe Tompkins from Central Michigan? Uh, is it familiarize yourself with Okay. All right, um, I'll start with Joe Tumpkin first. Uh, uh, Joe grew up in Miami, Florida, um, and uh, then he went and played college ball at Northern Michigan. He wanted to get out of the hot and go to the real cold, he told me. Um, and then he, he's been an excellent coach throughout the country, coach for um, Coach Weinstadt um, at the Pitts, at Pittsburgh Panthers. Uh, he coached for uh, Phil Bennett, um, and those are some guys I know really well. And so when I was looking for a coordinator, they called me about him, and I started talking to him and a little bit, and um, and then um, ended up being able to be able to hire him as one of my secondary coaches. So he brings coordinator experience, also with overall defense experience and secondary experience. He's also an excellent recruiter, um, and uh, I can't say anything, but you've already seen some of that. Um, so uh, that's that's been excellent, and all his expertise that he brings. So I'm excited about um, what Joe brings to the, to the table for us, um, knowledge-wise um, and experience-wise. Uh, Jim Levitt, um, you know, he was—he's been a few different places, but he, you know, where I got to know him first was when he was at Kansas State, um, helping Coach Schneider get and um, get that started back going. I got um, a friend of mine that I coached with at Ole Miss is a friend of his that was on the same staff, and then I got to know Jim really well when he came to the 49ers and I was at San Jose State. Um, and so when we had the open and I started talking to him too and uh, was able to recruit both of them um, and very excited. Did not think I would be able when I first started. Um, I wanted to get both of them, but I didn't know if I'd be able to get both of them, and I was able to. So that was excellent for our program and really excited. Jim brings a great amount of knowledge uh, and, and experience, and uh, um, he's very enthusiastic too. Um, gives an energy level out there with the kids at the overall defense. Um, both of them are tireless, tireless, tireless workers. Um, and uh, if they hadn't figured it out, they'll be here all night figuring it out. Um, and I don't mandate that, but they do what they got to do. Um, and so they're, they're into it. And they're totally committed um, for us to being successful. So I'm excited about having, having both of them. You coached the secondary a little bit last year. You uh-huh. missed that? Um, I'm, I'm, I'm always kind of around everything. Um, and, uh, no, I, I, Joe and, um, Charles do a great job with them. Um, and, uh, um, so, but I, 
I watch every bit of practice film on both sides of the ball and special teams and, and every room. But, no, um, secondary, that's, that's a hard area to coach because you can play 70 plays good and just two bad plays and everybody thinks you're a bomb. You know, that's the way a secondary coach works. Um, so uh, I um, know those guys are doing a good job with that. Coach, your very first press, press conference here, you said you were a no-excuses guy. Yes. But this place had some excuses at the time. Obviously, was uh, trailing most of the conference in, in facilities. Now that you have what you have in place here, or you're starting to get it in place, is it fair to say that the place has no excuses now? I, I definitely, you know, since I, um, what President Benson and Chancellor DiStefano told me when we met a couple, you know, and every time I've met with them since then, and of course and now with Rick George, um, they have um, done what they've asked, what we've asked. They understood um, that we couldn't stay status quo like we were. It wasn't, um, quote, um, you have to keep moving forward or you put a ceiling on you. And so what I, way I see everything now is we're definitely moving in the right direction. Everything's going the way. So the program is growing. And I think that the uh, – I don't think I know that our football facility is transformational for our football program and our overall program. So I'm excited about that. Um, the thing that um, uh, we have to do is when we start winning this year, now there's not a ceiling. You know, the kids were recruiting and the kids on our team, we got room to go and keep moving forward so the program can keep growing. Um, so I'm excited about that. The thing that's exciting about the um, facility, I mean, you know, everybody asks me, oh, you're, you're not quite in it yet. That's the best problem I've ever had. It's exciting. I mean, it's, I mean our kids, they don't worry about it. They, Coach, when we going in? Whenever we go in. But they are so pumped about going in there. And uh, so am I. So it doesn't bother me one bit that we have a little bit of inconvenience now. It's not inconvenience because you keep seeing that carrot right there. You just keep seeing it, and it's exciting. Um, it's exciting for our program, for our kids, for, for I believe for our fans and everybody. Um, and, you know, the building um, doesn't win games, though. The building helps you do it. And so the kids that we're recruiting for the 2016 class and the 2017 class – they're really – this class saw it a little bit, but it really wasn't there. Um, these are the first ones to kind of see it. So the kids, recruiting-wise, you really benefit from it 2016, 2017, 2018. So – but our kids right now, I, I think it has given them a – well, I know. It has given them a more of a sense of pride, more of understanding, hey, they really do care around here. They really want us to be special. And uh, so I think that that's the sense that we have right now. The other day you talked about how you're not sure yet whether Jim Level will be on the sidelines or up in the booth. What sort of things will go into that decision-making process? What we'll do is we've talked about it extensively um, five or six times as a whole staff. And what we'll do is we'll have scrimmages, and we had some competition periods the other day where we're working the list. Because you've got to have people substitute, you've got to have people signal, you've got to have people upstairs that are able to give you, decipher and see it right and give you the right information. You know, everybody says, well, how hard is that? Well, they're not looking at the guy that runs wide open and everybody can see. They're looking at how they block that scheme. Okay, so-and-so. Man, we can beat so-and-so on an up and under. You know, things like that. You know, um, you know also people saying, you know, the, the, the linemen are coming out telling us the quarterback's checking this, the safety's checking Okay. 
How do we see that? What's the, why are they doing that? So the guy upstairs said, well, so-and-so's tipping it away. We need to fix it. Those are the type of things, those little things in the game that you have to have certain people. We have people looking at all our guys on the field telling us so-and-so did this wrong or so-and-so next time he ought to act like he's doing this. They're going to check to this, and we got him. So I've got to figure out what Jim and Jim and Jim, <laughs> I mean Joe and Jim want to do. And so um, we're kind of looking at the best scheme for that. And then we, we, we have new GAs for, that do our substitution and some of our signaling. So we're practicing that. We'll have it down here in the next week or two. And then we'll have practiced it five or six or seven times before our first game. So it's a smooth operation. So to me, just walk in and say, hey, you're going to be here, you're going to be here, that's not very wise to do, and I don't do it that way. So I hope I answered your question on that. We have a question from back here. Hey, Matt, I talked briefly with uh, Adam Gillum the other day. Yes, sir. And he talked about after that great freshman season he had, and then going through the frustrations of all the injuries uh, a year ago and the personal stuff he was dealing with, uh, he was kind of uncertain about where he was and what he was looking at going forward. He talked about conversations with you that really kind of helped him kind of find his parents, if you will. How much did you have to kind of persuade him to, to kind of continue down the football? Oh, wow. Um, those are the moments why I coach, period. To help dive into a young man's heart and soul and mind. You know, the thing about college football, which it's awesome, okay, um, but it's got to be ha- being so commercialized, so much television, so much everything, and especially um, in a pro environment like we're in here, okay? Um, when young men sign a scholarship at 17 or 18 years old, when they walk on that field, most people think they're a 25 or 26-year-old Denver Bronco, and they're a 17- or 18-year-old kid. So just think about your kids. And you send them off to college, and they've got school, they've got all these different pressures, they might have issues at home. There's all kind of things. And so it's my job to take them through that journey. That's my job. And my job's to win football games. There's no doubt. But if I don't capture their heart and soul first, we're not going to win many football games. And then all I'm doing is using a kid to win football games. And that's an empty feeling, I would imagine. So taking him through that and working through him, him all that and going through that with him and seeing how he's coming out on the other side – and he'll get, there'll be other moments as we go. Um, it's really a neat situation. It's a hard situation, but it's something that him and I look at each other in the eye and can smile. And, and now I know somebody's going to be a productive father, productive husband one day. And he's also going to be a good football player for us. Um, so I, I'm, I'm excited about where he's going. But they all go through those ups and downs. Just some have it hit them different ways. And when you think about him, he comes here um, – and uh, out of the blue, nobody expected him. He's a freshman All-American, and he makes the most tackles in the history of Colorado football for a linebacker. And then the next year he has the issues he has, and that's hard. And when, when he feels like everybody's looking at him like he's failing them, you know, that's one of the things he told me. He said, Coach, I felt like I was failing you. No, you're not failing me. It's all about you. And once you get all your stuff together, you'll be doing well. I love you no matter what. Okay. And so I think that that's uh, where he's come from, and it's exciting to see, and I think all our players see that and uh, are excited to see Addison coming back to Addison. 
That's actually a freshman record. We don't want to. Oh, I'll say I'm sorry, we freshman. We don't want to disrate codes 182. Okay, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Freshman record. Thank you for your correction. <laughs> but uh, you're like the gal of PTI, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but I'm nicer. <laughs> Anything else for Coach Mack? One thing that didn't get asked was how you do, how do you prepare the team to leave for Hawaii and the importance of taking them to Pearl Harbor? Yes. Um, we're going to leave on a Tuesday. Um, Rick George and them got that set up for us. We need to do that. We'll go out there. Um, it, it's exciting. It's the opening game. Um, the, the good thing about, you know, when I was at San Jose State, we played Hawaii in the middle of the year. That's really hard because you play and you travel and you come back. But when you play them first in the game of the year, both teams will be excited. They'll be, they always play better on the rock. But we're going out early. Um, and then um, I think it's important. None of our kids have ever seen Pearl Harbor. So we'll go over there. Our basketball team did it last year. And it's a, I talked to Troy Calhoun at Air Force. He does it with his team. Um, so we'll go out there, There's about a 30-minute outside thing and about a 30-minute um, movie about it. Um, I think that's a, um, something that they should all see, um, being the great country that we have and the situation that they had at that time, um, especially for these young men. It doesn't seem like there's – like when I was in school, we studied a lot. I don't know if they studied as much as they should anymore. I think we should study our history more. That's just me. Um, and uh, so uh, I'm, I'm excited about doing that with them, and we'll do that – early on Wednesday, and we'll still have another 38 hours before we play the game, basically 36 hours, so that, that'll be a good deal. Um, and they'll be well-rested and ready to go, and everybody here will be in their pajamas ready to watch. So it'll be good. <laughs> I've got one more question. You know, you mentioned that this is my 50th year of doing college football. I've seen trends in college football that have ended, others begin, uh, about five, six years ago, the spread offenses really came in. And yes, sir. When the Buffs went into the Pac-12, we really saw it. The defenses have been trying to catch up. Are we seeing the defenses begin to catch up with the spread? Are we beginning to bring back the spread? I hear more coaches now talking about the running game. Are we going back a little bit to the way football right. used to be? Uh, well, it's interesting. Um, those are great questions about the spread, the evolution of the offense, defense being behind. The really good spread teams run the ball a ton. Yeah, Oregon does, yeah. And a lot of their passing is really a little, you can call it a pass, but it's really a, a, a wide toss out there and a guy catches it in space. And, and uh, you know, what those teams have done is they've not, they've, They've always used the field vertically. They're using the field horizontally for space to make guys have to make tackles in space. And so defenses have, have, have caught up and learned a little bit about how you have to do that, how you spread it out. I mean, if you're in cover two, you just can't stay in cover two. There's too much space out there. There's certain times you have to do that. When the ball's in the middle of the field, a lot of those offenses do different things than they do on the hash. Because when they get in the middle of the field, they got the whole horizontal area of the field to use. And then they'll do more trips when the ball's on the hash. So if you kind of that, so you've noticed that defense is trying to figure that out. The, I think the hardest thing that um, ha has come into being too that's helped the offenses is, you know, I won't say they've changed the rules on offense, but offenses are utilizing um, more run action pass stuff, where linemen are going downfield three yards, which is completely legal. Where in the past they would always pass protect, so they're kind of 
you have a run with a pass routes going on and they're reading things. So that's made it tougher. Um, and then also I think that uh, the, the, in the secondary area, um, they don't let you touch them as much as they used to. Um, and then quarterbacks younger and receivers younger, as you all all know, are throwing all the time in seven-on-seven seven leagues and all that. They didn't do that 15 years ago like that. And so these kids come in here and you go, God, how did he get the ball in there? The guy was running with his back. How did he know to turn and catch it behind the – and he just throws it at the back of the DB. You didn't used to do those things all the time. So all you add three or four of those types of plays a game, it's made it harder. Um, so I think that, that I think it's here to stay. Uh, I do think defenses will catch up some, but I think the openness of the football, you see it in the NFL too. The NFL used to be more of just a pound you and you kind of, you know, you know, with Peyton and Brady – they're spread out. They're in the gun. When would you think you'd ever see that in the NFL? But they're doing it. So I think it's here to stay. All right, Coach, thank you. I think we've got a couple one-on-one requests before okay. we set you free. Hopefully there's a few players and coaches out there already to come in. All right. Um, thank you.